This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, the weekly Media Week TV podcast. Lots of uh, interesting shows um, to talk about this week. It seems to be getting busy again. There was a little bit of a lull, but there's a lot of shows dropping at the moment. There's a few things we'll get to. Um, Andrew's going to talk about significant others at the end of the show. I'm going to talk about uh, a series about a detective who sings, which was a bit of a surprise, but um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Andrew, welcome. We're going to start with Reboot, a series you promised I would love. And I'm assuming you did. How could you not love this? It's such a show for people who love TV. There's so many in-jokes. It reminds me of 30 Rock. It reminds me of episodes with Matt LeBlanc. And it even reminds me of a show from about 20 years ago called Gross Point, which was Darren Starr's sitcom loosely based on the making of Beverly Hills 90210. I love TV shows about TV shows, but they're not for everyone. What about you, James? Yeah, look, I did like it quite a lot. Um, It was, I mean, look, I've only watched one episode. It was a a little bit US sitcom-y for me in a way. I I thought maybe they had to cover off a lot of ground in that first episode. Yeah. Um, I love the sort of surprise of seeing Paul Reiser. It was almost unrecognisable in in his role. Yeah. We we haven't really seen him in much for quite some time, have we? No, and he plays a quite, uh, you know, tetchy character in this one. But as the show goes on, you get to see that there's there's actually a humanity to him. And for me, Reboot gets funnier and funnier and funnier. Once you get to that writer's room where, you know, the young girl brings in her writers who are all young and diverse, and then Paul Reiser brings in all these old Jewish comedians who are hugely <laughs> inappropriate, and, man, it just starts writing itself from that point. It's so, so funny. Yeah, yeah. I love the interplay between um, Paul Reiser and... It's his daughter, is it his daughter in the show? Rachel Bloom plays his daughter, daughter. yes. Yeah, yeah, she's very good too, I thought. Yeah, um, I think she was in that show, uh, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Okay. okay. Uh, which used to be uh, on 10 Peach there for a while. She actually created that and it was a musical and, you know, now she's back in this. But, yeah, it's great. And, I mean, Keegan-Michael Key as the lead actor is so funny. Judy Greer, one of my favourite underrated actresses, she has some great stuff coming up in the future. And Johnny Knoxville, what a a revelation as the kind of the supporting actor in this show who, you know, clearly hasn't grown up at all in the 20 (laughs) years since the show's been off the air. It's just so, so good. Yeah, it's a, I've never really seen much that he's ever been in because he's made lots of movies that have never really appealed to me. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see him at work in as much. Yeah, he's he can be really funny when he wants to be and, and he can sort of act. Yeah. Yeah, Keegan-Michael Kay is an interesting um, actor, isn't he? He's done some interesting stuff, but he seems to be most in demand for his voice work. Yes. And he's the man to go to when you want to a quirky character in a in an animated movie. Look, this is some of the stuff he's done, a lot of it very recently, Super Mario Brothers, um, Wendell and Wild, I don't know what that is, uh, Pinocchio, 
yeah. uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, <laughs> um, Hotel Transylvania Transformania, um, Toy Story 4. Um, I think he's been in all the Hotel Transylvanias. I think there's one, two, three, and four of them. Uh, the Angry Birds, um, uh, the Lego movie. Yeah. So look, he's got a real, um, a real uh, CV there of some, of some, um, some, some animated classics. Look, I first became aware of him. I didn't know that he was part of that comedy duo, Key and Poole. And I first became aware of him in a Netflix series, which was called uh, Friends from College. Oh, that's uh, great. In about 2017, yeah. I went, wow, this guy's really funny. Yeah. Then I noticed him sort of in everything. He was so great in the prom uh, opposite Meryl Streep, and he sings in that. He can sing. And then, of course, in Schmigadoon, he was the unwilling participant caught in the musical that hated musicals and just so funny and I can't wait for the second series of Schmingadoon to come on Apple TV Plus because the second series they're going to send up 70s musicals which is right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that Friends from College was very good. It was sort of a, I don't know, it was like a, um, it was like a sort of a high school reunion but for sort of people in there. What mid to late twenties, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah, it only went for two series, but you know, it was funny. I loved it. Yeah, Fred Savage played a gay literary agent. Correct. If I remember. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. So yeah, so look out for that. It's um, reboot. It's on Disney Plus, and as we say, been saying for a few weeks, Disney Plus has some excellent stuff. It's um, if you don't have it, it's probably time to. I, I guess they still have some sort of free trial period you could get on and check it out this series launched i think with three episodes came up then they're dropping one a week yeah yeah uh it's a quick watch just under half an hour so you can yeah you can burn through those uh look i wanted to change pace a little bit a show that launched last week and strangely under a sort of cloud of controversy or at least in a in a couple of quarters i'm talking about frankly yeah um, I mean, Australia doesn't really have any sort of those talk shows with someone sitting at a desk in a panel at the moment, do we? Am I, am I overlooking anything? We don't have much on at the moment, no. do we? We've Which got is, nothing. If you're if you're a visiting celebrity yeah. coming to town, the only real live show to go on is The Project. All of those, you know, shows that we used to have, we don't have any tonight shows anymore. We don't have any more talk shows. Uh, and so, yeah. Or daytime TV, right? No, no, yeah. nothing. So, yeah, uh, frankly, is a return to the format. I mean, I basically agree with what a lot of people are saying, that why is it just 30 minutes long? I mean, it's Friday night. It could be 45 minutes long. Mm. Give a little bit t- more time. And clearly they recorded as a one-hour show and edited it down because some of the edits are quite noticeable. Why edit it um, and why have a band there and not have a musical number, you know? Oh, I, th- I think there's room for them to expand the format a little bit. Yeah, but can you explain to me why? That, I mean, there were successive pieces in the Sydney Morning Herald, Yeah, I think, last Friday and Saturday or maybe twice on Saturday, whenever it was, explaining that the ABC needs to have a young person 
fronting a show like this. I just didn't get it at all. No, I, I, I think this is actually really unfair. I mean, if this is the outcry that Fran get, Kelly gets hosting a show, what would happen if they'd hired a straight white male? I mean, at least <laughs> Fran is a woman and she's yeah. gay. So I, I like that sort of perspective. And I think I truly do think it's ageist to say that she is too old to host a Tonight Show. And I really have to agree with Ida Buttrose, who said that an interview show needs to be fronted by someone with the experience to do a good interview. And Fran Kelly's experience on Radio National makes her a person who can do that. And the people who are quoting the fact that the ABC aren't finding new young talent to host all these shows, and, you know, Will Anderson hosted a show when he was 29 years old. Well, that's true, but Will Anderson didn't host an interview show when he was 29 years old. He started off on a panel show, which is very different to an interview show. And I can't believe that Fran Kelly's been caught up in these kind of ageist arguments. I mean, I think there is an argument to be had that the ABC could maybe try a little bit harder in finding some young talent, but that young talent has to be for certain shows. You don't put a 20-something person to host a Tonight Show. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Let's, you know, keep looking for great new young talent, whether they come through Triple J or they're coming from ABC Kids and, and growing up. Yes, let's find new young talent for the ABC, but I don't think making uh, Fran Kelly the poster girl for what's wrong with the ABC is is really fair to her. Yeah, it was like reverse ageism. There used to be stories about how older woman, women couldn't get a place in the media, you know. Yeah. And, and now that's been rectified. People are going the other way and saying, oh, totally. there's, there's too many of them, you know. But oh, no. You, wow. you can't win. But um, I think it's, look, young people, look, good talent will rise, okay, yep. will we'll stand out and people will grab it. So yes. they'll make opportunities for someone who's a standout. Um, when the ABC has done programming for young people previously on the main linear channel, it hasn't been able to find an audience. So they've yeah. either got it wrong or yeah. I think is more the point, young people don't really want to sit down and watch TV in the evening. They're doing other stuff. They're, they're online. They're, you know whether it's YouTube or TikTok or, yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, a lot more people engage with these days or they're, they're listening to Triple J or they're out meeting people. They're not they're not sitting around watching TV. That tends to be something that older people do when you, you get, you know, you get tired of going out and socialising <laughs> most nights of the week or whatever. And, you know, I think back to it was just a few years ago that they did that show that I loved where you had uh, Dylan Alcott uh it was, I think the show was called The Set and it was yep. just kind of like there was, it was kind of like set up like a uh, house party and him and Linda Marigliano uh, would kind of go from the kitchen to the lounge room and there'd be a band here and a band here. So, you know, they do do shows with young people. Admittedly, that show was, you know, four years ago now. Um, but, but it got a know, very small audience, which is why they couldn't continue it. You yeah, know? But, and, but look, you know, the, the ABC has a history of finding young people and giving them opportunities uh, and, you know, I... You know, I think that I think that they will do it again. Um, but I think that uh, you have to be 
really uh, particular about how you do it. I mean, look at Zan Rowe. That show she's doing on Tuesday nights, Take Five with Zan Rowe. Now, Zan Rowe started off as a young DJ on Triple Jane. She's worked her way up through the ranks and they've given her more and more opportunities. And that's such a cool fun half hour she does that episode with tony armstrong the other day where they just talk about five songs that mean a lot to his life and play the song and dance in the room it's it's really great tv and you know zan is a young person that has risen up through the ranks there yeah and the keith urban one was pretty good a couple of weeks ago too so yeah no it's doing well okay look something that's not completely different um Seven started up, and I don't know how many they're going to do these, but an old franchise they've been cranking it out again was This Is Your Life. Yeah. Uh, first first episode was probably an obvious one for them. Ray Ma, you get to promote some of your own. Um, I, I, w- since we last spoke, I've actually sat down and watched it, so I, I wanted to, to catch up with it. But I, I thought they did a reasonable job. I quite liked the start where they surprised him on set up at uh, Palm Beach on location in Sydney. Yeah, yeah, I love that opening. Uh, Melissa Doyle, hi, I'm just on a speedboat going to Palm Beach <laughs> to surprise Ray Ma. And then she walks into the interior set being filmed on location in Redfern. Come on, the magic of TV. Give me a break. He, he wasn't at Palm Beach. But look, oh, so the that, show was all right. The show was great. It was, yeah. You know, This Is Your Life now runs for 90 minutes. That's a long time when you think that the original show started, uh, used to just run at 30 minutes long and they would cover a person's life in 30 minutes. And, look, in some ways this uh, was a bit of an ad for home in a way. Um, Raymar certainly deserves um, a treatment from This Is Your Life. I would have preferred to have seen even more of a look at his TV past. I mean, they did a package where they talked about some of the iconic Aussie movies that he starred in, but they left out a couple of his um, early Australian TV roles, which are really interesting. You know, in in uh, he was in a transgender drama on the ABC where uh, – He was with a trans actress playing a trans role, which was extremely groundbreaking for the mid-70s. He had a comedy role in number 96 where he was dipping the baby's dummy into gin to make it sleep at night. I mean, (laughs) you could have looked a little bit harder at some of those roles and some of the Crawford cop shows that he did rather than having chatting to current cast members of Home and Away, which I thought was getting, it verged on getting a little bit repetitive. But, look, it was well done. Um, uh, I just think if you're going to have 90 minutes, a couple more researchers really going out there finding some of those early shots of Raymar's life would have been welcome. But the show was still good regardless. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth was a good first-up guest, I guess, talking about his first day on the set at Home and Away and yeah. the nerves he had when he was almost, well, he was completely unknown um, actor back then. And then the the first guests in person, I think, were, were Ray's colleagues from that very first season. Well, Kate Ritchie came out first, remember? Oh, sorry, yeah, when she sat on the couch with him, didn't she, through the show. Then there was Alex Papps and um, some some of the others, a group of them came out. Yeah, Vanessa Downing, Roger Oakley and Sharon Hodgson's from the early early days of Home and Away. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, if you looked at Raymar's... 
that that shot of him watching all the footage, the guy was struggling to keep it together the whole time. You know, I'm sure <laughs> if you just nudged him a bit, he would have sobbed tears. You know, he was really trying to keep it together. It was really emotional for him. And those sorts of shows, you know, really are. But And we should also point out too that this is actually the second This Is Your Life that Seven have done recently. They they kicked off with Ian Thorpe um, a couple right. of months ago, remember? Yeah. Yes, yep, yep. Um, and ref- I want to refer back to something. I think just last week we talked about um, we both gave a big thumbs up to the sound of 007. Yes. The, uh, no, and which came in two parts, and we weren't sure when the second part might drop, but the first part is the wonderful documentary which investigates all the um, the songwriters for all the great Bond um songs that accompanied all the movies, the theme songs, and also talked to a lot of the artists who sang in that, uh, the composers, the lyricists. And we talked about the live concert, which was on to help launch that documentary. Yeah. Uh, The Royal Albert Hall in London was actually on just the day before we recorded our last episode, and then all of a sudden it popped up on a a massively quick turnaround, wasn't it? There it was. Sure was. The next day on Amazon. And um I've got to say, look, I, I did enjoy it, but after the great documentary, I was, I don't know, it was, it was good and it was, uh, um, and it was great seeing Dame Shirley Bassey. She came out and did a couple of songs, oh. got th- three standing ovations by the time she got to her second tune. She was just so wonderful. The, um, I think it was the Royal Philharmonic Concert Orchestra did a massive, a massive sound wall behind her. It was just fantastic, but I don't know. Towards the end, it just got a little bit flat in places. It's, it's hard to identify why. What did you think? Well, I didn't get past Dame Shirley Bassey. <laughs> I mean, eighty-five years old. She walks out on stage, and you can still hear a pin drop. She's still got all the drama there that's so inherent in those theme songs, and she sings. Goldfinger and Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, she didn't do Moonraker because of the mm. three Bond theme sh- songs she did. That was definitely the the dog in those three. <laughs> so I haven't actually gone back to that because I, after seeing her in the live show, I went straight back to the sound of 007 documentary to re-watch the bits with her when wow. she was, you know, 40 years ago singing Goldfinger for the first time. It's just so remarkable to see that footage of her as a young woman singing those songs. So I'm yet to finish the doco, but I will get back there on Amazon Prime and finish it at some point. Yeah. The other original artists who were singing their songs, with Lulu was there, and she's incredible. She just keeps on going on, you know. It's amazing yeah. that, that she was around in that sort of early to mid-60s and here she is still up on stage. I know, quite incredible. Banging out a Bond theme. And Garbage was the other original artist. Mm, their song was okay, you know. It's an all right song. Yeah, it was good seeing them. It was sort of an outrageous punk band back in the day, you know, and, yeah. and he, here they are getting into sort of middle age almost, you know, so it was interesting to see. Um, of the other artists, it was good to see some artists I knew very little of. Uh, Ella, uh, Ella Eyre, didn't know much about. She was good. Um guy called John Grant, didn't know nothing about him. Somebody called Celeste, they all did a good job on the songs they were given, and Paloma Faith also did a pretty good job. Um, you got to see the composer Hans Zimmer. He came yep. out and played guitar on on a Bond theme. Um, but I sort of wish there was a little bit more of him, you know, because he, he had so many good stories in the doco. Would have been good for, to get a bit more of him on stage in person. But it's well worth checking out. 
you, you could almost watch the concert first maybe and then go to the doco to find yeah. out the stories behind all those songs. So you're not disappointed because when you think about the artists that are still alive, people like Sheena Easton and Duran Duran and all of these people, they could have got for the concert rather than getting these new artists to cover the original songs. I, I see what you mean. When you read out those lists of people singing, I went, oh, that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> I'd, I'd always rather see the original person. If Lulu can still be singing The Man with yeah. the Gold Gun after all these years, why wouldn't you call in some of the others? But I guess it was a cost and a time thing. Well, I'm sure they tried too. I yeah. mean, you know, it would have been hard to get Paul McCartney up on stage to do kind of would have been. Do his, but he still does it in his live set, you know. It's um, so he can still bang it out. And Sheena Easton was in the doco, so it was good to see her. Yeah, but yeah, it would have been great. I don't know if she still performs. I'm not sure, but um, maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's retired from the stage. Let's move on. Um, that's on Amazon. I wanted to quickly talk about an Amazon showcase they had um during the week, and they revealed some of their forthcoming. They've got uh, so in 2023 they're going to have nine Australian originals, and it's a it's a pretty diverse bunch of programming from um, from it's going to be a documentary on the Wiggles. Yeah, it's it's been amazing that there's never been a major doco on the Wiggles so far that that they've taken part in it. So so that that you know that will be pretty interesting for and you think about the people there's people nearly middle-aged now who would have been kids at the first Wiggles concert, you know. Yeah. So that, that's great. They had uh, Jeff Fat was uh, was at the show uh, and Murray Cook talking about it. So, you know, Jeff Fat has taken a photo every day of being uh, involved with the Wiggles for the last 20 years, I think it was. <laughs> so it was a little bit of bit of trivia he he shared. Um, there was that uh, I, one of the best performing Amazon Australian originals documentaries they've and they've done quite a few was the test about uh, behind the scenes at cricket. Uh, there's a second season of that they commissioned, so they're expecting that to do very well. Um, there's going to be uh, five stand up specials, which seem to be obligatory almost for for streaming platforms don't they they can this is going to these ones are going to feature dave hughes tommy little um joel creasy gets his own show uh reese nicholson um so and there's somebody else i can't remember yeah there was a person oh, wasn't was there lizzie who i think is she yeah lizzie who's going to do who cares um okay. she she couldn't be there because she actually had a gig on during the night. Um, but the other four people were all there and they spoke a little about their docos. They're going to be joined by three series that they've previously announced, which are in production. The most interesting of which is um, The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart, which is going to star Leah Purcell and Asha Keddie. Uh, they also work with um, Sigourney Weaver. Who came out to to make this? So it's going to be made by um, uh, who's the girl who works a lot with Nicole Kidman on stuff? Um, the company's made up stories. Anyway, I can't, her name escapes me, but it, it looks like it's going to be um, pretty good. I'm, yeah, cool. I'm looking forward to that. So they they showed some clips from that. Um, and it, it looks really good. It's, I think it was, or was it, where was it shot? It was shot down in, there's so much being shot in Tasmania at the moment, but I can't remember. 
Oh, no, this one was shot in the south coast of New South Wales. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, that looks pretty good. Yeah, cool. So that's that's a lot coming to Amazon. Um, I spoke to some of the Amazon guys there. I, I don't, are you a member of Prime? Do yeah, subscribe? totally. Do, yeah. You get, do you get emails sometimes then telling you what parts of Prime you're not using? No, I don't. They've, ne- they've never emailed me, and I just okay. pay that yearly subscription rate where okay. I think it's nine bucks a year, boom, it just Yeah, it just like I don't think I ever use the audio. You can, like, Amazon Music. Oh, yep, yep. So I get a reminder every month about Amazon Music. But but for, you know, for the value of it, it's reasonably cheap. If, if, if you buy stuff from Amazon and you get the, I don't know, expedited delivery or whatever, so there's yeah. there's quite a few things. Look, I want you to talk to me about significant others. Oh, yeah. Which I think you've, you've delved into. I haven't got around to watching it. It launches a couple of days after we drop this episode. It's got the Sunday night primetime drama slot. Yep. Is it any good? Oh, it's fantastic, James. I've just hoovered up four <laughs> episodes and frantically waiting for the ABC to put the next two up on the critics' preview side. What I really, really love about uh, Significant Others is that it's relatable and recognisable. You know, it's the story of a woman as played by Jacqueline McKenzie, who we only see in flashback because she goes for a swim off the coast of Malabar, it looks like to me, on Sydney's eastern suburbs. She goes missing, presumed drowned, um, and she's left behind two teenage kids. So the police have to call in these siblings to look after these kids. And you can there's family tension there. Uh, some of the sisters aren't speaking to each other. The sisters are played by Rachel Blake and Alison Bell, Um, and then you get a uh, gay couple, an adopted gay son, and the partner as played by Todd McKenney. So they come to this house that's in the middle of renovations, and you can see that this family is in a messy state, and this tragedy just seems to make things even worse. So everyone's sort of falling over themselves, trying to do the right thing by these teenage kids. There's a cop as played by Rarawai Hick who uh, is involved in this. Um, and, look, it's just really, really relatable. And you can't quite tell where the story's going, but the characters draw you in because they're recognisable. And so... I just love a messy family Aussie drama, and this one is ticking all the boxes for me. Yeah, the cast is really interesting, isn't it? Is has Todd McKenney done much drama work on? He hasn't really. He's more stage and um, stage musicals, isn't he? He's best known for, I guess. Yeah, always, and of course, you know, we know that he. I mean, he was in Strictly Ballroom all those years back of then, Tony yes. Kruger, but he was doing more dancing in that than acting. Yes. Um, yes. And so, yeah, it is uh, interesting to see him in this role. And particularly in episode four, there's uh, a moment in that which really uh, is quite bizarre because it kind of uh, mirrors and a controversial incident from Todd McKenney's own real life. So, uh, you know, in a way it's kind of brave for him to be recreating this uh on a, on a TV drama. But, yeah, Kenneth Morrill leader plays his partner who uh, is, an, is the adopted son in this family and he's a dancer. And it's interesting, uh, you know, they play this kind of very modern gay couple uh, that in episode four 
go to the Mardi Gras together and some of the other family members come with them. But, uh, yeah, you don't see Todd McKenney doing a lot of drama, although, of course, he'd be quick to remind you that <laughs> he did star. He was the he originated the role of Peter Allen in The Boy From Oz. And, of course, uh, when they took the show to Broadway, they kind of gave him the flick and replaced him with Hugh Jackman. Right, right. Okay, okay. And, of course, Jacqueline McKenzie, but she's pretty busy, isn't she? She's in a lot of yeah. stuff. Um, she's also on in Savage River at the moment, which is a, a th- this show replaces, doesn't it, actually? Yeah, well, she doesn't have a lot to do in Significant Others because she... Uh, oh, of course, only flashbacks, it's right? It's all flashbacks. Yeah. Um, and the other person that's in it in flashbacks would have to be uh, another one of the hardest-working actors in the Australian industry, Maggie Dents, who's been acting forever. I mean, TV Tonight did a, I think did a story on the fact that there she is in Heartbreak High still acting and she's in Significant Others. And, I mean, Maggie Dents has been around since on TV since the early 60s when she was Mavis Branston in the Mavis Branston show. So that is quite a career that Maggie Dents has had too. Yes, yeah. Okay. So Significant Others, um, look out for that ABC and it will be on iView um, in the next couple of days. I was going to talk a little bit about Ridley which is a, a show that's um, up on BritBox. It's, um, yeah. It was on ITV in the UK. The, gee, the UK gets a lot of premium drama and, and it, look, most of it's crime drama, especially at the <laughs> moment. But, but every yeah. week almost ITV and BBC both program a primetime drama. Um, and it often runs on successive nights. They're all they're usually short orders now, so it might be four or six episodes, or, th- or it's sometimes three. And it'll run on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, sometimes they go week to week if it's, yeah. if it's on a Sunday night, perhaps. But on weeknights they but and that they all filter through here. And a lot of those are coming to BritBox now. Yeah, um, right. Uh, this one is called Ridley. Uh, it stars Adrian Dunbar, who um, is perhaps best known for as the sort of senior police investigator on Line of Duty. Oh, yeah. He's really tall, isn't he? He is, yeah, and he's got a yeah. big sort of wave back hair. He's got sort uh-huh. of a, a, I don't know, an Elvisy quiff almost that he sort yeah. of brushes back, very distinctive voice. Um, but the surprise in this is he sings at the end of it. Wow. <laughs> what, what do you mean he sings? Is this like the singing detective? Is it a surreal well, moment? Yeah, but he or? sort of, I mean, he lives in this, it's a small village, and they're, but they manage to have this very cool jazz bar, <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit odd. But right. he goes in and he and he jumps up on stage and he sings a few tunes and he actually does the singing. It's really his voice, apparently. Yeah, right. Uh, they sort of carried off almost. So I noticed the Sun in the UK had a story that audience tunes out when um, Adrian Dunbar starts oh. singing. Oh no! Because as you can imagine, there was a lot of negative feedback on Twitter after that first episode. People saying, "Oh, whoever had the idea <laughs> that Adrian Dunbar should sing?" Because look, it's not. You know, he probably couldn't make a living out of his um his <laughs> vocals, but he right. gives it a go. Yeah. But this role isn't a lot different to the sort of character we've got to know in Line of Duty. He plays a he plays a former copper, but he's just left the force. Um, you find out during that first episode that um, both his wife and his daughter were murdered not that long ago. Right. He's still coming to terms with that. Um, 
could be filmed. It's either in Scotland or somewhere in the north of England. It's very beautiful landscape. Yorkshire. I'm Yorkshire, looking it up. It? It says oh, okay. Yorkshire. Okay. Oh, good on you. There's um, but he lives in a drop dead, um, beautiful home right on a sort of the edge of a lake. It looks like um, he's got it all set up. He's got his turntable in there, and he plays his tunes, and he looks longingly off into the distance. Huh. Um, it almost looked a bit awkward that first episode, as if there were sort of. Acting by numbers, you could say, okay, it's time for a pensive look and someone will look pensively into the woods or off into the distance <laughs> and, and then there's sort of the de shots of the, okay, let's have a nice shot of the landscape and then, a you know, a car driving down. So it's all... Yeah, but they they get away with it, and by the end of that first episode, now these are these are ninety minute episodes, by the way, so it's it's like committing to a movie, if you like. Yeah, so right. They have plenty of time to develop the story. I've had a peek at the second episode that that looks pretty interesting too. But if you like stuff like Shetland, um, maybe even Midsummer Murders, if you're into that a little bit, you, you'll probably be you'll be right at home with this one. So it's probably worth a look. I think uh, there's only four episodes, um, but that's up on BritBox, so look out for that. Well, it's funny. I saw a promo on Channel 7 today for 7 Plus, yeah. and it was sort of like, we've got the best of British for free, and they <laughs> talked about having Doc Martin and Emmerdale Coronation Street, and then they were really pushing the Ipcris file, which was okay. the new series that screened on 7, but, you know, it's, I mean, those episodes of Doc Martin, they'd have the first few series, you know, they've been done to death, right? I, yeah. do, I do know yeah. that, that the final season of Doc Martin is coming to the ABC in November, so we'll be talking about that in a few weeks' time. Sure, yeah. I must admit to being a bit of a Doc Martin fan. I've, I've enjoyed that over the years. But, yeah, but a lot of that British content now, after it gets a couple of years old, it gets out of all its sort of first-run, second-run windows, and then it's pretty much available to anybody. So it's yeah. become standard fare, and you could probably find it on most streaming services, whether they're probably. paid or free, yeah. you know. So there's um, But it still does very well, too, a lot of that stuff. Look, it's older people, but, look, they look in big numbers. So yeah. it's, yeah. um, it, it's, um, it does very well, and a lot of it's distributed by the BBC too, of course, out here, um, yeah, yeah. who are who have an interest, uh, who have equity in BritBox. So a lot of the stuff here will will land on BritBox, and then they'll they'll put it out on other streaming platforms. Look, well, just before we wrap up this week, there's a few things we're going to chat about next week. Um, I'm interested in something that um, it's called Inside Man. Um, now, I th I still don't know where this is going to show up here, but the thing that intrigued me about it was with um, starring David Tennant and Stanley Tucci. Yes. Um, David Tennant plays a sort of reverend in England. Stanley Tucci is a sort of murderer on death row in the USA. And right. It's, um, wow. Uh, it's, it's one of the most intricately plotted series I've ever seen. And you get wow. to episodes. There's only four episodes. Look, I'll talk about this more when we get to it, so I won't yep. give yep. anything away. But by episode three, I'm thinking there is no way they can finish this in four episodes. There's just so many ends of the plot that need to be wound up. But, look, they do it, and they do it really well. Wow. I will say 
David Tennant and Stanley Tucci never appear on screen together ah. at, in the same place. Right. I won't give you more than that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, look, I won't give too much more away, but um, it's it's really a fascinating series. And, you know, I had to burn through. I watched it on a – got out the old VPN and um, – when I knew that was on somewhere else in the UK, I think it was a co it's a co production between the BBC and Netflix. Okay. One of the problems, though, there's so many things out there called Inside Man. If you do a search for it, you get thrown up all sorts of things. So what you're looking for is the 2022 co production between BBC and Netflix. Presumably, it'll be on either one of those when yeah. it uh, makes it to Australia. But it's um, not quite here yet. Yeah, right. Well, uh, yeah, the, the one I'll be writing uh, in Media Week this week, uh, and we can talk about this next week. Your homework for next week is to watch <laughs> Shantaram on Apple TV Plus, starring okay. Charlie Hunnam as the uh, Australian fugitive who escapes from Pentridge Prison and ends up hiding out in a Bombay slum. I mean, this is epic stuff. Ten episodes. I've watched five episodes. I am aching for it. I've had a great week, Significant Others and Shantaram, both really, really strong shows with lots of that Aussie talent in them. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about more about Shantaram next week. Okay. And that um, producer's name I couldn't think of. I think it's Bruno Papandrea at... Um who's um, an Australian producer who's worked a lot with, um, I think, Nicole Kidman on uh, on a lot of stuff. On and some of her TV stuff, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's have a quick look at her filmography here. Well, you um, know, you've got Nine Perfect Strangers is on SBS at the moment, which is very interesting. You know, it was oh, okay. just on Amazon Prime last year as filmed here in Byron Bay with Nicole Kidman doing the Russian accent and uh, boom, it's it's all less than 12, uh, 12 months later, it's screening on free-to-air TV on SBS. Yeah, well, that's one of her series. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Raw, which I think is up on Apple TV Plus. Uh, oh yeah, that's the one where year. it was kind of like an anthology series, and Judy Davis plays the mother of Nicole Kidman in a very strange Australian story. Yeah, um, something we both liked. I think the Anatomy of a Scandal. She yeah. was on that as well. The David E. Kelly. Um, so yeah, she's done done some interesting work. Yeah, cool. Well, Big Little Lies, of course, was the. Big Little Lies, of course. The thing that really sort of kicked off her career. That's what I was yeah. trying to think of before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. All right, Andrew, great to uh, catch up with you again. Thank you. You can read Andrew every Friday in Media Week uh, in our morning report newsletter at mediaweek.com.au. Also, um, this podcast, of course, on all the big podcast platforms, um, like us or follow us to make sure you get an automatic alert or download every week. Thanks, James. Have a great week. Thank you, mate. You too.